Hey all, this is Dave Korsunski. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We've got a lot more great guests coming, so stick with us. If you like what you've been hearing, head to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Helps keep our show going, and we really appreciate it. Just a few quick updates on what we've been working on with headsuphealth.com, which is our app that allows you to centrally track all of your health metrics so you can use data to optimize your health. We just finished our integration with Elite HRV, so you can link your Elite account and your heart rate variability readings will show up on your Heads Up dashboard. Our electronic integration with Keto Mojo is right around the corner. It will be available in October of 2018. You'll be able to purchase a Bluetooth connector for the Keto Mojo device, and it will instantly sync the readings with Heads Up Health. So we're really excited about that one. We've been beta testing it. It's working great, and it's right around the corner. Our mobile app, also right around the corner. We've got a bunch of beta testers. It's working great. That one should be available in September 2018. Our integration with Chronometer has just started. It'll take us two or three weeks to finish that one up. So lots of great new features in the Heads Up Health app. Check it out at headsuphealth.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Okay, we are back with Data Driven Health Radio, and today my guest is Karen Parrott, and she's been kind enough to take time out of her busy day, hi Karen, on a Friday, well it's morning for me, where are you physically located, Karen? Yes, I'm located in Carlsbad, California, and so it's morning, and today's a vacation day for me, taking a long long weekend, we have graduation activities for our high schooler coming up next week. Awesome, some celebration time coming up. Yes, a little time off work is always good and uh, kind of recharge my batteries and, uh, well, clean the house, honestly, and mm-hmm. <laughs> sleep that in. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I'm just north of you. I'm up in, I think I'm north of you. I'm in Truckee. I don't know exactly yeah. where Carlsbad is. Carlsbad is north San Diego County. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah. SoCal. So yeah. I, know, I know where Truckee is. I went through the Amtrak train and through Truckee mm-hmm. a long, long time ago when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. it is up in the mountains in North, Northern California. So we're just starting in on our really hot weather down here in, in Southern California. Have no, a little bit of, heat. yeah, a little bit of June gloom, but that's cleared up and it's nice beach weather right now. And, and then it's hot, a little hotter inland where I work. So mm-hmm. we're getting both temperatures. Well, I'll be down there for low carb San Diego. And that's about a month's great. Time. So hopefully we'll see you there. Yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to volunteer this year, so I'll be out in the foyer a lot and helping people and talking oh, to sweet. people. Yeah, cool. That'll be really fun. Well, Karen, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show for a number of reasons. First of all, you, you have a ton of experience you can share from your own personal journey, which I think will be very inspirational for people out there. Second, we have a lot of guests on the show who are doctors, extremely knowledgeable people, and we have people on the show who are technologists and entrepreneurs, the people who are building the software programs and the tools that we all use to quantify our health. But at the end of the day, what really matters is people who are doing it and making it work for themselves and the success stories that can show other people how you did it, what works. And I think those are the most exciting conversations for me to have on the show. So that's why I'm really grateful for your time today. Great. Well, thanks for having me on. I always like to share my story. I know that other people are in my same boat. And a lot of people might not have the technical background, but they need to take the theory or or the data and kind of apply it to real life. So that's what I like to talk about. I do have an advantage. I am a medical technologist, board certified, and I have my California state license Mm -hmm. in real life. But you're a nerd. We we love nerds on this show. (laughs) I'm totally... Totally a data geek. Yeah. Now, although 
today speaking, I won't be speaking necessarily as a medical technologist, yeah. uh, more as a longtime weight maintainer after yeah. 40, I, had, I was obese for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I was obese from the age of six to 46, mm -hmm. but I've been maintaining an even weight plus or minus, I lost 70 pounds. I've been mm -hmm. maintaining my weight now for six plus years about 70 pounds plus or minus five or 10 pounds. So, that's fantastic. But, but that's where Heads Up Health really came in. I got in as a beta user mm -hmm. and I was able to take data from my Fitbit mm -hmm. and from my fitness pal and from Apple Health mm -hmm. uh, all together and kind of bring them all into one spot mm -hmm. and then overlay some of the data and make small changes or even big changes and then take a look at the data overlay. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to me because I did start to regain weight in years about from years about three to five down the road, like say from 20 mid or late 2014 to mid 2016, I gained yep. about eight or eight or 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I tried everything. I tried going super low carb. I tried going super high fat. And I, I just kind of started gaining weight. I moved my total intake around quite a bit mm -hmm. during that time, but nothing really worked. It worked would work for a few weeks, but then I'd just start to yo-yo around again. So what I did do is I was listening to Found My Fitness podcast with yeah. Rhonda Patrick, mm -hmm. and she interviewed Dr. Sachin Panda. He's out mm -hmm. of the Salk Institute down here in La Jolla. And I was impressed with the results that people were getting with intermittent fasting. Cool. And that was in yeah July of 2013. 2016, I was uh, I just returned from Hawaii on my 50th birthday. And so I said, well, I'll give his application. It was a free app. It's an IRB approved study. Mm -hmm. And I'll give intermittent fasting a, a shot. So what I did was I record most of my food most of the time and my sleep and activity as well on my Fitbit and then my fitness pal. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I was able very easily able to see with his application, you start out with two weeks baseline. And I baselined at about 12, eating 12 hours and fasting for 12 hours. And still that wasn't enough. I was still gaining weight. It's mm -hmm. so frustrating because I would even try to eat really, really low for several days in a row and just nothing would budge. So I started it on his app and you do have to photograph your food for that plan. Mm -hmm. And, and recorded it in their database. So I was recording in a, in a second database. Took a little bit of time, but it wasn't undoable for, you know, busy, busy lifestyle. But what I started to do is I started to move my eating window close, closer and closer together. And the Dr. Panda's lab, the researchers recommend that you move it more toward the morning. So you're eating yeah. your food more toward the morning. So each two weeks and out of four, out of 12, I would move my eating window a half an hour or an hour, however I felt. They, they let you have the, uh, your regular food plan, whatever it is. You don't necessarily have to make changes, but you yep. just back it up into the day. And it's a very strict sort of fasting. They count water and then prescription medicines only. Now, being low carb, I do have to take some natural calm at night because otherwise I'll just have really terrible leg cramps. So mm -hmm. I counted that as a medicine. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if the researchers did or not, mm -hmm. but it went from about July 4th until October 2nd was my 14-week window. And in that time, I lost six pounds and then I went on to lose an additional four pounds from October 2nd until early January and then at that point I did start to bring up my total food intake a little bit to stop the weight loss because I'm 5'2 and I was starting to get to where I just don't need to lose any weight and I just need cool. to make, prioritize muscle building. I'm sure that's a problem that we all would love to have. <laughs> yes. But you, you brought up a number of very important things there, and I'll just touch on them briefly. And then I'd actually like to go back and, and learn more about before you found low-carb keto. So just a few things you mentioned there. One was just using the data to help you troubleshoot your own personal stall. I think mm -hmm. that's very important. We can go out and consume a lot of information. And for you, it was working with your, 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 your feeding window. But for somebody else, it could be something completely different. They may start tracking with MyFitnessPal for another couple of weeks and realize that they're in a huge caloric surplus. Or somebody else may realize that actually it's actually related to some deficiency that shows up in some routine lab testing. So I think that's the point of the data is so you can start to figure out, okay, let me try this. Let me turn this dial over here. So 
I think that's awesome that you, that you brought that up. And then the second thing was the meal timing, which we actually haven't talked a lot about on this show, but it's fascinating and I think interesting that you can actually not change what you eat. You just condense the window of when you eat it. And that is beneficial for a few different reasons. And I know in my own personal health, what I've been noticing is if I eat dinner after 6 p.m., I don't sleep well. Yes. Even if I go to bed at 10, 10 30, the food, if it's a big meal, I mean, if I have a light salad or something, that's fine. So I've noticed that changing my, my timing window and, and shifting it back earlier in the day actually gets me much, much better sleep quality, which I record with the Aura Ring. And very specifically, I'll see that my lowest resting heart rate is much earlier in the night. When I'm digesting food all night, my heart rate is elevated till two, three, four in the morning. And these are correlations that anybody can make. They're not complicated. So shrinking the feeding window improved my sleep, but I also think that it helps you lose weight. Even if you're consuming the same amount of calories, the timing matters as much as what you're putting into your mouth. So those were just some of my thoughts from what you, what you started us off with. Any comments there? Yes. I, you know, I, I have noticed the same thing. And I noticed too that I will... I'm a cholesterol, cholesterol hyper responder. I know, I think you've talked a lot with Dave. Dave hasn't been on the show yet, but for those who are not familiar, uh, cholesterolcode.com, David Feldman does a lot of research on people who go low carb and have a small percentage of the people see elevations in their lipid panel numbers. So that's just the context, but yes, please continue. Yeah. So uh, that was another thing where Heads Up Health really helped me because I have I use uh, Quest Diagnostics as my uh, medical laboratory. I, my mm -hmm. health insurance includes free lab testing from Quest. Ah. So jealous on that one. I would be like nerding out on that all day. Well, it sounds it sounds really good on paper and in practice it's great. You know, my doctor is an internist at, at, at a large clinic in San Diego and and it's great to have free lab work. But the downside of it is I can't just order labs willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. And my doctor's very she's very good. She's very let's not order a ton of lab work and get confused. She's like let's just That's order cool. I respect that. Yeah, exactly. So, um I do as part of my insurance package is that I have to, since 2011, I have to get weighed in every year and I get measured with a tape measure and mm -hmm. they take all kinds of metrics on me. They take a, a blood draw, uh, but it includes cholesterol. Now I've always, even when I, when I was morbidly obese, I was type, type two obesity. I was at 35 BMI. Mm -hmm. uh, I was short. I'm about five one. So when I was 70 pounds overweight, that put me you know, at an even higher risk level. I could also tell from my data from Blueprint, which I've been having since 2008, I can see that I was creeping up when I was obese. I was creeping up into hemoglobin A1C of 5.7. My glucose was super high near the 100 cutoff for just fasting. And I, if I had gone to the doctor, in 2011, this continued all the way through 2011. If I had gone to the doctor in January of 2011 through May, early May 2011, I would have been diagnosed pre-diabetes, which I consider to be, and many consider to be, uh, diabetes. I would have so, totally agree with you on that. Like once you get in that zone, it's like I understand that a lot of people will get into pre-diabetes and never progress to, to type two diabetes. That's mm -hmm. fine. I don't want to roll the dice on that one. <laughs> I'll just take the pre-diabetes and be like, listen, okay, I am just going to treat this as a diagnosis and I'm throwing everything I have at it. Absolutely. And to help me along with my thought process, then I'll go back to the cholesterol, is we had a head MD that would come around to talk to us in our cube farm that we had there. And he would say, you know, if you have pre-diabetes, you have diabetes. It's like being pregnant. You either have it or you don't. So you better act like you have it and do some preventive action. Mm -hmm. So that was very helpful for a thought process. So going back to the cholesterol, I could go back to my data from Quest Diagnostics via Heads Up Health, and I could see what I was running on my cholesterol, and I could see when I started intermittent fasting. Now, of course, when I, what happened was I did points counting, and I lost 60 pounds before pregnancy in 2000. Yep. But 
Then, uh, you know, I yo-yo dieted a lot through 2011. And then I went on a protein sparing modified fast sort of thing Mm -hmm. that was both low calorie and low carb. It was a package deal. I won't say the name of it, that you could imagine it in your mind. And it had five packages on one lean and green meal. So when I went to get off that, I realized that I wanted to get onto real food. I started with paleo because at Hashimoto's in 97. So that makes my case a little bit more complex Mm -hmm. with my health markers. And then I had what looked like pre-diabetes or the high risk for diabetes. So I could see my cholesterol and my LDL always ran on the high side, but my ratios were always good, even when I was morbidly obese. And I don't have any history of heart disease. And I have history of other things like MS in my family and autoimmune disease, but but not cardiac problems, maybe a little bit of stroke. So when I saw my LDL shoot up, it shot up a little bit, but my doctor wasn't concerned. And my total cholesterol went up a little bit when I went paleo and low carb. But she said, hey, your ratios look great, no problem. But when I started intermittent fasting, and I could see this from the graph, that my LDL just went up just exponentially. And But yeah, my ratios stayed great. And my hemoglobin A1C, even... With the weight loss, even le- eating low carb, my hemoglobin A1C could only get to about 5.5 or 5.4. But when I started intermittent fasting, then my A1C was 5.0, 4.8, things like that. So this so- is huge, Karen. I have to just jump in and stop you right there because this is, this is an individual, you, Karen, that yeah. is taking lifestyle interventions that you are designing yourself based on information you are acquiring and then comparing that back to your lab test results. Now, the reason I built Heads Up Health is because that needs to happen for everybody because there is no doctor that knows you've been fasting and they don't know when you were fasting. They look at these numbers as part of a treatment protocol, but it's only you once you go home and start figuring that stuff out. That For anybody listening, that's a huge, profound statement that Karen just said, which is doing everything right, all the num- the A1C doesn't move down, and then you decide to try intermittent fasting, and boom, your A1C really starts to come down in range. That's what we want to enable with, with my company, and it's just awesome to hear that that's how you did it. I apologize for the interruption, but I just wanted to surface that little important gem that you shared with us. I think it's so important. And just that I have access to that data uh, through Quest into Heads Up Health, because what I did next, my, my doctor is very upset at me. And she said, I really think you need to be on a statin. Mm-hmm. And I know from my own health history, because I've just worked in esoteric labs and well, I started out in a big hospital lab, but I'm pretty sure I don't have FH, familial hypercholesterolemia, mm-hmm. uh, from my family history and from my old data. So I asked for an extended panel. Now I get free lab. You, you can get your lab work done anywhere. They have different names. The name for the test at Quest is Cardio IQ. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yes, I got got that. And it's so funny. Sometimes I walk through the lab where they run that test right now. So it's pretty (laughs) cool to to see it on that end. But uh, I ordered it through my doctor. And my doctor received the report. She was just so – it's a 12-page report. It's in-depth. I'm accustomed to looking at lab testing all the time. So I got great data out of it. I was so thrilled. Uh She was just so – I can't even read this. I can see your basic levels. But I said, well – I can, I can see my APOA level is great. I, I tend toward APO, APOA. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, my LDL particles are more large and fluffy, just mm-hmm. like all the other hyper responders out there. I, I have some moderate particles that could come down. And at the time, I was consuming some coconut oil. Mm-hmm. I know from my 20 and 3 and me results, most of my family came from the British Isles, Ireland, and say, like Switzerland area and maybe Germany. So I probably, my ancestors wouldn't be eating coconut oil. So I did kind of phase out some of the higher saturated fats. But I have to say, I took that data and ran with it. I I could see that I really wasn't at cardiac risk, but my doctor was still concerned. So I said, please let me get a a coronary calcium scan. And she said, well, your insurance isn't going to cover it. I said, well, for the low price at $200, -hmm. I'm going to whip out some cash. Yeah. See if I get a bargain, a cash discount. Damn right you are. That's like what we have to do sometimes. It's like, okay, I'll just buy it myself. Get out of the way, doc. I'm just going to do this myself. Exactly. I said, will you order one for me? She said, oh, of course, yes. I'm curious. So, okay, good. So I go to the clinic 
So you paid for it out of your pocket though. I did. I cool. did. And I tried to weasel around with cash and I have a flexible healthcare spending account. Cool. So since yeah. my doctor ordered it. Mm -hmm. There's some, I call it funny, funny money on the card where I can take that and kind of use it. It's like, well, this cool. is a really good use of my money mm -hmm. because prescription drugs and the side effects and I have the risk of type two say with a statin, I already know that that's a bad deal. Everybody that I've known that's taken a statin has had some side effects from muscle pain and just so on. And, and, and just taking a prescription medicine, I don't really want to do that. So I went to the the, cardi the calcium score appointment, and the ra the radiologist tech was a, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm a cholesterol hyperresponder. I'm paleo low carb, mm -hmm. you know, fasting starting. Or, well, I wasn't really fasting have, at that." Have time. they heard that before? Like, are there a lot of low carbers coming in saying that's why I'm here? It was twenty. Was it twenty four fifteen, twenty sixteen, twenty fourteen? As it's somewhere around in there. So it hadn't and exploded yet. Yeah. It, it had, but they were just starting to see it. They said we've got to tell you that most patients coming in don't you don't fit our demographic. And I said, well, yeah. my cholesterol sky high, but my ratios are great. I've studied this a lot. Yep. I think I know what I'm what I'm doing. Just do the test. Uh, come on, come on, test. Yeah, just exactly. And then they just, they were, they were kind of laughing. They go, yeah. I said, have you seen other people like me? And they were like, well, you know, yeah, sometimes people come in, come in that are like you, kind of young and maybe their cholesterol's high, but they're kind of questioning it. Yeah. So uh, when they told me I was going to go into the tube for, for 10 minutes and I came out of the, the imager in about three minutes, I said, what's up? And they said, your heart rate is so low. We were, because I went in and I meditated a little bit mm -hmm. and they said my heart rate was so low. They were able to capture all the image pictures, pictures really fast and they were pretty high quality. Mm -hmm. So uh, the guy in the recording booth, you know, I said, I know you guys can't give me any results. And they were kind of snickering and, uh, but the guy in the recording booth was giving me the thumbs up. So nice. a couple hours later, I, I got home to Carlsbad and, yeah. and my doctor called and said, oh, your risk for a heart attack is really low. And I, I talked to the tech too. And I said, I know this is only risk for, for calcium deposits in my heart, but I know it doesn't rule out soft plaque in my carotid. And he said, you're, you're one of the only people that knew this coming into it. We didn't have to explain it to you. So I said, yeah, I've really done my research. So one other thing I'm going to do, I, since I'm in the low carb space here in San Diego, is I've started attending low carb San Diego community meetings. And yeah. at the meetings, we're so fortunate. We're so lucky. Yeah. We have Brian Lenskis. Uh -huh. And then also Brett Schur is at the meetings. And mm -hmm. he's the low carb cardiologist. Mm -hmm. And it is fantastic. What a gift to have. And then Jeff Cotterman is down at Tri, not Tri-City, it's, it's the gym down there, Tri-Medical, and it's not just a gym, So, but he's the, the exercise and we hold the meetings in his gym. But to be able to walk up to the low-carb cardiologist and just ask him questions at a, at a local meeting, I mean, what, that's such oh, a Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. You just get right, right to the source. So I, I want to just stop for a second. You brought up a lot of stuff there that I think people listening might not be familiar with. You and I are familiar with this because we live in our, in our low-carb bubble here. But uh, first of all, the calcium score, for those who are not familiar with it, that is something that you can use. It's an imaging test. And what, what it does is it looks for buildup of calcium in the arteries. And, and there's a whole history of why calcium test is not considered gold standard and why we still use stents and statins and other things like that. But you can go get a calcium score as a way to further assess your heart attack risk. And the lower that number is, the less calcium buildup there is, the better. So it's a really simple test for people who want to get more information. We have a blog post from Amy Berger on our website. And she completely breaks down what the calcium test is, why you might need it, et cetera. And then you brought up a lot of stuff about hyperresponders and things like that. If you want to learn more about that, then we have a blog post about Dave Feldman's work that you can check out and learn about, okay, some of my numbers were high. What can I do? Should I be alarmed? What are some of the tests I can run? Because some doctors may get alarmed by these numbers, but actually there's, there's a lot more to the story than I think a lot of conventional doctors are aware of. So a lot of the stuff Karen just brought up is available on the blog. We'll link to in the show notes to our blog on calcium score, on the Feldman protocol, on David's website. So if anybody's listening and has questions on that, we'll include those links. So I just wanted to get that out there, Karen. So yes, you did the calcium score. You, you were part of low carb. You are a hyper responder. I believe you've done Dave Feldman's um, cholesterol drop experiments yourself, correct? 
Yes, that's and that's what I was where I was going. There, it's it's always very uh, deep where I go here. So thank you for. Kind I'll bring of you back. back. Don't worry. Back yeah. on track. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what was happening last year is I knew I needed to do a three day three day Feldman protocol. Did you right do that in uh, last year at uh, Keto Con, uh, Keto uh, Fest? Were you there? I can't remember. No, I was at Low Carb USA last year. I've been, okay. this, will be, this will be my third year at Low Carb USA, but last year at Low Carb USA, I got a chance to talk to Dave in person, which was, which was wonderful. He's a stud. He's a total stud. You know, software, big brain software engineer just takes his engineering mindset and says, all right, let's figure this cholesterol riddle out. So yeah, really cool guy. And yeah, I think it, I think it's just fascinating. I uh, grew up with my, my sibling, my, I have a parent that was an engineer. I went to Purdue, I'm a Purdue grad, all of my roommates, almost all my roommates are engineers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised at all that the engineers are picking up on patterns and and taking it forward. So going back to last fall, I had my blood draw for my lab work and we do get counted. They, we, championed about three or four years ago that the company not use total cholesterol for a cutoff for uh, employee discount because we said, hey, hey hold up. That yeah, is bogus. Yeah. It, 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 now they use HDL, I think, as That's it cool. is. And we could get three out of five. So I, I always hit it home because my blood pressure is actually low on low carbs. So I have to supplement with a lot of salt. But anyway, going back to last September, I had to do a three-day Feldman protocol. And so I stopped doing my my 16.8 or my 18.6. I, I, I do something around there, mostly daily. And I stopped doing that for three or five days before the, before the fasting blood draw. It kind of followed Dave's three-day protocol, and it helped a little bit. It was still alarmingly high, and everyone freaked out except me. But I got to say, I feel great. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, I decided to not. I kind of liked eating like a light meal at night when I came home, like between five and six p.m. Having some kale sautéed mm-hmm. in uh, olive oil or um, tallow. And then some salt. And I found that I could kind of add more salt to my meal. If I needed more salt for the day, I could get it in there. Yep. But what, what happened is I did start, I've kind of since that time, I haven't been super strict on 18.6 all the time. 12.12, yes. But even just a couple of days a week, not doing 18.6, I put back on about three or four pounds. And so it's just yeah. more vanity at this point. At the low-carb uh, San Diego event, I did a DEXA scan, and my visceral fat is super low. I was just shocked at what my visceral fat numbers were. So I do need to increase my strength a little bit and, and muscle strength and body fat. But you know the fat where it counts is, is low. So I am going back to more of an 18-6 sort of fasting gig uh, full-time. Well, it's funny you mention that because I've seen similar patterns where I've been very low carb for a very long time. I I check my fasting blood sugar every morning. That's kind of my most important number. Second most important numbers are the data on the sleep quality. Not just the sleep quality, but also the heart rate variability during the sleep. And and I've kind of gotten into a routine with low carb that works for me and just been eating the same things. But I've also noticed my weight has ticked up probably about seven or eight pounds in the last little while. And I haven't really changed what I eat, but like you said, there's some ways to test different experiments. So perhaps I'll start looking at a more restricted fasting window for myself. So that's one area that, that I'm looking at personally. The other, the area I wanted to get into, you made a comment on our blog, our uh, podcast recently with Carol Freeman. And you and I so far on this show have talked a lot about the data. And, and the analytical and, and the quantification aspects and, and how people can use the numbers. But the show with Carol was more about the psychology. And that's a hard one. And so I, when I talked to Carol Freeman, Keto Carol, I thought we were going to get into all these nerdy uh, keto conversations. But she's like, I really focus on the psychology of working with my clients. So you said from like 6 to 46, you were morbidly obese or struggling with weight or yo-yo dieting. So how did, how did the psychology aspect of that play in? What was it before you found keto? What, what was, can you share some of the, the struggles you went through there? Oh, uh, yes, definitely. I uh, have kind of struggled my whole life, but there were times where I could look back at, at, as I age and I'm only 52, but I could look back to when I was a teenager in high school mm-hmm. and I was selling candy bars for a fundraiser. And I, on my junior year, I went to Spain. It was great. I, mm-hmm. I sold candy bars in the, buck, in the back of the bus. We had a lot of 
rural yes. bus ride in Indiana yeah. Yeah. and, you know, sold a lot. And I realized that last year that I sold that on my senior year, I think it was, or junior year, if I didn't eat any of the candy bars that I saved one for the very end that I, I wouldn't eat through them. And I didn't steal them or anything, you know, I just, just ate them, but I, I abstained. And one year I gave my Christmas candy to my sibling and I said, here, just have this whole stocking. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I just will eat it all in one day or two days. And he goes, okay. So he took it. He was happy, but it, he just he was like, I think you're going to want this back. And I said, no, no, I'm going to do it. You just, you just. The sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can also look back to different times where when I was a kid, we, the blizzard of 78 in the Midwest, we did a little uh, traveling cooking with our, I was only in sixth grade, but we cooked homemade omelets and homemade this and that. And it was all with fresh food. And we had a great time and we would go from house to house to house on the, the snow delay and cook mm -hmm. fresh food. And, and then I didn't struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I started jogging. And so I did a lot of physical activity. But I was also working at McDonald's at the time. I worked out in the cornfields de uh, de at the research station and detasseling and deroguing, but then at the corn research station, mm -hmm. which that's what you do during the depression in, in Indiana. Yeah. That's where you work. So I was working two jobs, but at McDonald's, we got free food. But if I sat down with a big salad bowl, they had a big chef salad in the 80s. It was delicious. So if I filled with that and did the jogging, you know, I, I stayed lean. So I could look back at all these things and realize as I was, as I was losing weight in the protein sparing modified fast time, it, that was 40 weeks, I lost 70 pounds. It gave my brain a break from yeah. the psychology of it all. And I realized I needed to just abstain from triggers, just like, um, just like that's what Carol was talking about was, was abstaining mm -hmm. and, and trigger, trigger events and, and how to, sure. how to, how to engineer your lifestyle around avoiding the trigger events. So you can get a little reprieve and, and give yourself a chance to get some momentum going. Absolutely. And it was that kind of quiet time that I said, okay, this is, this is good for me, but how am I going to deal with stresses and not soothe to eat? So it was a lot of habit changes. I kind of went through, I looked at some of the programs that were out there for binge eating. Unfortunately, the food templates that they recommend in a lot of, of the food addiction space, not all, because it's getting better, but they include oatmeal and fruit. And I even wrote to somebody who sent me this plan. And I said, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I can't do your food plan because when somebody kind of in say food recovery from like say food, I know some, all, all people don't believe in food addiction. I do. Well, uh, I'm going to have, uh, I've been trying to lasso uh, Nicole Avina onto this show and she gave an incredible presentation on, on actually looking at the DSM definitions of addiction and looking at how refined sugar absolutely fits into the same categories as tobacco and other highly addictive substances. So I am in agreement with you on that one, 100%. Yes, yes. and uh, someone else in the space who's a very uh, low-carb and keto-friendly is, I'm going to botch her name here. She's Swedish and she's related to Diet Doctor. I'll look it up before this, this ends or I'll, I'll, cool. I'll pass you the name. Uh, Bridget, I think her name's Bridget. So they have, so more and more in the space, but I was given a food plan. So when you're in the space, it's common for people who are relying on foods to say, I can't do that diet. And so I just got labeled a bad addict yeah. or a not compliant addict. And I was like, no, no, I have done my 23 and me. I have about 20 on the the genes for obesity, which I have many homozygous, meaning two copies of genes yep. for obesity, especially for childhood obesity. And yes, I was obese as a child. Same as me. I have the predisposition on genes as well yeah. on that. Yep. That rides right along on that gene that rides along with type two diabetes. And yeah. I said, I, I know I don't want to get sick. I want to recover, but I don't want to get sick. So I'm going to really have to stay in the paleo low carb and I just got labeled. And this is like, oh, okay. So what I did do is I just picked up um, workbooks. You can pick up workbooks or uh, even call step books. I worked through the plans. I got some people who understood food addiction to kind of support me. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, uh, my father passed away in 2013. And I did have a lapse. Uh, we went on a cruise, Alaskan cruise, about three weeks later. I did have a little bit of an eating lap. But I had someone call me on it right there and then on the cruise. Awesome. And, and this, yeah, I, I don't want to go into the details, 
of yeah. it, but she called me on it. And so that night I said, this is make it or break it. I do not want to go back to the old way. And so fortunately I just start, you know, started over lapses ha do happen to people. Of course. And yeah. And so, but the hardest part for me was learning how, what to abstain from, because I figured out that all grains, first of all, uh, even so much as something, a tea with barley in it just set me off so bad. But uh, one of the two of the, the items that aren't as common were guar and xanthan gum. They're in almost everything. They're in a lot of processed product products. But I was doing a binge eating podcast with a, a po another podcaster and he asked me about it. And I said, you know, I, I got kind of uh, something set me off this morning. And he said, was it, you know, mouthfeel or whatever? I said, I just don't know. So sure enough, Trader Joe's had put guar and xanthan gum in their coconut milk to make it smoother, which makes it a lot better pleasing. But they have since taken it out. So they put it in. I didn't, I was buying the coconut milk. I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And then they have since taken it out. Now it's a pretty lumpy milk these days. Um, <laughs> Even the full milk, it's not. They probably got a lot of heat for it, I'm sure, and and ended yeah. up changing course on that. But, so but that, you, you've said for for six years now, a yes. lot of people who do low carb or do keto, or a lot of the quote unquote experts out there will say, oh, it's too hard to maintain. It's mm -hmm. I don't recommend it. It's 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 impossible to maintain. And mm -hmm. and yes, you have your ups and downs, like everybody. But it's a hell of a lot more sustainable than anything else out there. That's for sure. Low calorie dieting and exercise that's that's not sustainable i can go get a, a, a beautiful steak and some asparagus eat like a king don't tell me that's not sustainable and so you've done it for a very long time which is awesome yes i've done it as a single parent as, as a full-time employee working employee i've done it as somebody who's had to commute about two hours and 15 minutes every single day now I, I van pool, so I get a little bit downtime in that van. But um, I go to the free, the refrigerator section and buy meat in bulk. I buy, uh, you know, woohoo values at at the local grocery store. I got a ribeye for nine dollars. It was huge. I got you know four meals out of it. Plus I yeah. rendered a, I rendered a little cup of tallow so I could cook with it. So yeah, awesome. You know, it, it, it's totally it's just, fun. Yeah, it is. And I think, too, understanding root causes of obesity are huge. Uh, when I did my 23andMe, I have a gene for extra ghrelin production, which is a hunger hormone. Yeah. This makes sense why using satiety, I hear this a lot on, on keto and low-carb podcasts, eat to satiety. For me, I can overeat even on things like uh, ribeye, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I mean, there is a better shut-off with protein. I'm less likely to binge eat on that. But I could sit down with a jar of coconut oil and just go to town on it, and and that's kind of gross. But it it's re real life for me, so I know that about myself. So I do. Uh, that's why I track my food intake. Mm -hmm. I I cringe sometimes when I say I hear people say eat to satiety because here's the thing is is that about ten percent of the time I do get a normal satiety signal, and. It's like, so I, at first I got really angry. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what everyone's talking about. I don't know if I'll ever get this again. Well, it turns out maybe 10% of the time, uh, say during the month, I will get a normal signal. And when I have, sometimes I'll have whole days or days and a half, and I'm trying to kind of track down, is it good sleep? Is it good food? Is it a good yeah. mood? Is it meditation? Is it being relaxed, say on vacation? I have no idea. So uh, it's, it's frustrating but uh, all of those things, I think, play into it. But I think for a certain subgroup of us who have been obese forever or struggle now, say, with binge eating, um, it, you know, maybe that satiety guideline, I, I like to tell people I'm going instrument rated uh, for my friends who are, are airline pilots. Mm -hmm. You know, you know and of course, you live, you know, flying in and out of, of San Francisco and even San Diego, for me, you can't not fly in and out without instruments because it's foggy. So yep. it's like you can still land the plane safely. You just need some instruments to guide you to where you can see the landing. Well, that's a wonderful segue. I know that we were going to nerd out and look at some data here. So we can look at some of Karen's instrumentation. And for those who are listening, we do share these interviews on YouTube. So if you want to see Karen and I's beautiful smiling faces, you can go do so. But more importantly, we're going to show you how you can just take some basic numbers. This is not complicated. This is really simple stuff. Fitbit, MyFitnessPal, some blood sugar, some ketones. 
and learn how to use instrumentation to guide your health. That's what Heads Up Health wants to empower people to be able to do. But before we do that, Karen, one question that you brought up, ketosis and addiction, whether it's food addiction or any kind of addiction. And I notice that when I get into elevated levels of ketosis, my ability to self-regulate goes up significantly. I remember the, and, and I have mastery over my food choices. And in your experience, do you notice similar things where as your body is, is measurably getting into like good levels of ketosis, you know, one, one millimolar or above, does that help you self-regulate? It does to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Even if I have 1.0 or higher, I can still have binge urges because they're triggered by stress, stressful events. Got it. Um, okay. So it's different for everybody, I assume, where the triggers come from then. Yes, I think so. But I think they're easier to manage. It's easier for me to say, oh, wow, I'm really stressed out here. I need to phone a friend or go on a walk or mm-hmm. I'm just super, super tired and something stressful happened. I need to do some meditation and go to bed. So I, I'm more likely to use the tools that I use to not awesome. binge. That you've developed personally. Yes, I think so. And then, of course, fasting at night is huge because I was used to be a huge nighttime binge eater. So if I say, well, kitchen's closed, you know, uh, that's, that's not an option, that immediately forces me into maybe doing some cleaning or yep. playing with the cats or, or photography. I'll edit my photos. So things like yeah, that. So diversion beautiful. technique. So, so yes, I think so. And I think that being uh, running on ketones evenly too helps me sleep better, especially yeah. in menopause. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, a big thing for a lot of us who, who have sleep problems. So I, I think I get, can get into deeper sleep with that. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's nerd out here. We're, okay. we're going to look at some numbers now. So again, if you want to see, Uh, Karen's use of data. You can check this out on YouTube, but for the podcast, we'll just take you through really Karen, just, just your top numbers that you rely on as your instrumentation, just to pick up on the airplane analogy, because it's perfect. So yeah, tell us, tell us how you use the instrumentation to, to guide progress. Okay, great. What I'm going to do first is take just a second to... No pressure here. We're sharing screen live. It's going on YouTube. Okay, I'm going to try to... Take us home. I see, yeah. I see some MyFitnessPal data, some heart rate data. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And Karen is dialed in. Man, uh, these numbers I, look great. Yeah, I totally... You know, I... I <laughs> <laughs> look at that, man. Woo, steady <laughs> as a rock. Okay, so what we're looking at here, for those who aren't watching, is Karen's weight data over the last month, just in a beautifully tight band. These are just probably normal fluctuations, water weight. Uh, sodium intake, that kind of thing, but just a beautiful trend line on the weight readings. Really, really nice. Totally, yes. Now, my I have two kind of maintenance weights, and this is a good example of a normal plateau in my Oh, well, you can see it. It's, it's uh, really, it's from 116 to 120 or so, yeah. or 119. I try to, yeah, I, I try to. that box down below. It's like yes. uh, 117.8 to 120.4. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and really when I start to go above 120, my next pl- weight plateau is around 125 and 126. And, and for all practical reasons, if I maintain under 120, all my size six clothes fit. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge economic advantage for <laughs> saving my money and not yes. having to go shopping. Plus I got rid of all my bigger clothes. So forget awesome. it. Last thing you want to do now, yeah. this just tells part of the story. I've actually gained weight for the current year. Uh-huh. tells a whole different story. So for me, I look at every four to six days, like here, I'm kind of trending lower. And I yeah. have, I did start 18-6 fasting here. What are uh, you using to measure your uh, body, uh, body weight, body fat, Karen? What scale? I'm using a healthometer scale and it's an old style scale. Uh, well, you you're entering hop- it manually into heads up then? That, that's yes. what I do. I have an old yeah. school Tanita and it's like the yes. most accurate one I found. I enter it every day. So I just wanted to check that. that that's yeah. All right, so here we're looking at uh, the current year, Jan 1 to June 8. Yes, and so unfortunately, I did get sick. I, I was doing pretty pretty good up through here. I mean, by good, I don't, I don't want to say good or bad labels. I was sick in through here. I had a bad cold. I had a less bad, bad cold here, a little GI illness here, and then unfortunately right on top of it, kind of a, a, a mild yeah. here. Yeah. 
-hmm. I never really went back down to where I was. Mm -hmm. And I entered a time of stress right in through about here. I just, you know, there's the normal work stress, but also, you know, the transition stress that I'm transferring a teen from senior high school to college. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a little bit of stuff going on. Just just for not, not terrible stuff, but you combine stress levels and work stress levels just every day. It can combine into that wanting to eat at night sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do do to kind of take a look at things is I might overlay my, let's see if I can do this here. I might overlay my total calorie intake because sometimes it matters and sometimes it doesn't. Calories so, consumed. There it is. Yes. Right. Calories consumed. I'm going to more pick, button. Click that more link. Yeah, right that'll, that'll bring it up. Yeah, Here we go. I record my data on my fitness pal and I make it talk. Me too. Yeah, I make it talk to, oh, this? Oh. That's probably a bug. It yeah, could, my, it, it sometimes my fitness pal sends us erroneous data. Oh, so, yeah, look at that. There's no way I ate that many calories. I could yeah, go that's back right around when, when some of our other users saw that as well. So we <laughs> just have, we have to resync your data on the back end. I'll have yeah. the, um, I'll have the uh, engineers take care of that. Okay, sounds good. This is the first time I've actually seen that. I occasionally have different sources, like I'll enter my food like from the meal before and then I'll subtract something because I really didn't eat it. Occasionally that'll pick up as, as an error and I, could, I can almost always see. So you can see here's my weight going up. You can see my calories really have kind of stayed about the same. Yeah. And people squawk and holler and they're, oh, you're not eating enough calories. Uh, uh, because I do eat, but 1500. Yeah. That's well, yeah, but no, really, if I want to lose weight, I have to go even lower. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I am 52. I am in menopause and I was previously obese for ages. So I, I do have to go lower. Now, if I increase my activity quite a bit, I can get my, I don't have as much hunger. Now the next day I might have hunger, but you could see, you can see along in here, my calorie intake was pretty steady yep. yet my weight went up a little bit and then it went down. I then it those, went up again. Yeah, those look pretty, that's, yeah, those are yeah. really normal fluctuations. I think sure. everything just goes very natural. The ranges look really, really good. So this is hugely helpful to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of tells me that uh, uh, I don't need to, I can, I can't eat to satiety, but I can't, I do know my intake ranges. And I can also, I also had a time I don't know if we can look at, let's see, 2011. I don't know if that'll be too messy of a We deal. didn't, yeah, let's try it. Heads up didn't it. exist back then, but this will yeah. be an interesting experiment. Yeah, but I can see on my fitness. Yeah, health. you can see where those dots come Ooh, in. Smokies, when do we that. start sinking? That's September 2015. Yeah. So you can see. Uh, wow, the weight. That's really yeah. Can you go back into the date picker and just change, yeah. just put September 2015 in the start date? Yeah, that'll be a better graph to look at, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, September. Uh, oh. Jan January's fine. That'll work. So we're nerding out here, by the way, if you're not watching online. Karen is showing us how her, she's able to look back years yeah. after data. This is, this is the power in numbers because I can go back into my profile and say, show me my weight over the last four years, five years. There's no doctor in the world that has this data. Most of us don't even have access to this information. Maybe we step on the scale. But if you're not recording it, and you don't have to enter this, you can just buy a wireless scale and sync it. But that's the power of being able to say, okay, I, I want to go back two, three years ago. Where was I then when I was living in this country, eating this way, or going through this life experience? That's why I think there's, there's so much power when we can look at the, the, the numbers this way. I mean, this tells such a beautiful story. Just just those weight readings. And so I didn't beat myself up. I'm like, I'm doing everything right as far as food intake, the type of food intake. The one thing I did change right in here, so we can see this is this is right when I started the Dr. Panda protocol. I there you go. The, the proof is in yeah. the pudding right there. Boom. Right it just like yeah. shoots down over the down, next one. Down. Right here I had shingles. I got stressed so, out. Hang on, Karen. So calories are the same while you're doing the, the, the protocol, and that's yeah. evident here, you're just changing when you eat. So just changing that one variable, shrinking the eating window, shifting it for earlier into the day, not changing the food intake. You can see right here the caloric intake is the same, and then you see this beautiful downward trend in, in weight readings. Love exactly. It. Now I did, when I did this, I have switched up just a little bit. I'm a, a big follower of temp, Ted Naiman of, mm -hmm. 
being yep. a little bit more protein based than fat. And it's kind of curious what seems like a, kind of a tight carb range and caloric range for my weight maintenance, but it seems like I also have a tight protein range. If I go too low in protein, I notice I have a little bit more dry eye. Actually, if I go too low fat, sorry, let me back up. If I go too low fat, I'll get a little bit of, of more dry eye. But if I go too high of fat, I tend to get a, a little bit more subcutaneous fat. Mm -hmm. So if I could dial in my protein between my eyes and how I feel it fit in my clothes, then uh, I dial it in straight in that way. So that's, that's how you learn your body. Like pe right. people who monitor their health, they learn their body and they learn those types of learnings. We live in a world where the odds are not in our favor against developing a disease and learning your own body you don't have to spend a lot of time on this like you just put the device on your wrist and step on the scale every morning or you put you, you put a, a sleep tracker on at night so the data is there and then you just figure out okay karen just brought up an incredibly unique range for her where she's like i noticed when my dry eye symptoms and my body composition numbers i just toggle between those two I mean, that's learning your body more than – that's, I think, the power in consumer technology for health is for us to learn our body better than any time in, in history. So although the odds aren't in our favor, if you can learn how to do this kind of stuff, there's no reason why you won't beat the odds, live to 100. So that's really cool stuff, Karen. Real quick, what I'm really curious to see is right about here – September, sometime in September, I did the uh, Feldman protocol. Uh -huh. uh, and then you can see that's when I kind of started to go up in weight. So because I just, uh, once I got past the three-day blood draw in the Feldman protocol, I kind of stopped doing the 18, or the 18.6 mm -hmm. or the 17.7, whatever I was doing at the time. So it'll be really curious to me for starting here in June, will I trend back down just ever so slightly? I also have noticed, and I, I could do this, but I haven't, is that uh, my dad was leaving, living in Phoenix and my parents are, are, and my mom still lives in Phoenix. But when I went to see my dad there right before he passed away in 2013, I also had a very low weight. Mm -hmm. And I think that summer heat has a little bit of an effect, maybe just two or three pounds on my yeah. weight. But I could probably test that out again uh, uh, this year with the hot hot heat. In the I work in the Orange County and yeah. inland, inland Valley. It gets up to a, over a hundred daily yeah. uh, there this time of year. And then, but I live more on the coast in San Diego. And as we go into say low carb USA time, it'll get even warmer here in San Diego. So it'll be very curious to, when I see you at Low Carb USA. It'll be interesting to see if I, I'm starting to trend down. Yeah, one thing I notice about myself as soon as it gets hot out. I want to just basically take my shirt off, put my shoe, my running shoes on, and just go run in like the dead of summer heat. I don't know why that feels so good for me. It's all the sweat, I think, that just mm -hmm. feels amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens to me as I get into hotter weather. I actually am planning a move to Phoenix in September. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for summer to kind of run its course there. My family is there as well. So Okay. I'll be posting up there and in the not too distant future. Very so good. Before we kind of move towards the, uh, the, the latter part of the show here, Karen, any other numbers that if somebody's listening, you would want to share with them and educate them on that have been personally helpful for you? Wow. I have my ketones, and that's been more of a curiosity. I do have a keto mojo. I have yep. cats come to visit here. Cameo appearance from the cat. Yeah, yes. 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 They, they can never resist. Every podcast no. I do, they can't yeah. help themselves but make it. <laughs> ketones have been more of a curiosity. A lot of blood work. You've, you've oh. done a lot, a lot of clinical testing. Calcium yeah. score, a yes. lot of lab testing. You, you rely on a lot of that. And then it sounds like the fasting information, different lifestyle experiments, and then the weight and the uh, macronutrient data seems yeah. to be the ones you've covered the most so far here. Today. Yeah, let me, let me go back to my dashboard here. I, I really like my dashboard because I can kind of take a look because sometimes I question what I'm doing, like, uh, maybe I should eat more fat or more pr protein. And so then I can overlay the graphs and go, well, yes, maybe this, maybe that, what have you. I, I don't use the fasting timer so much. Who designed this incredible dashboard? Man, this is a wonderful product. <laughs> it, it, it really is. 
<laughs> it really is a help. Uh, uh, seen, I had to take a little shameless plug there. I couldn't. Oh, I know. You know, it's it, not even only for the dashboard, but when I'm in my doctor's office, yeah. uh, the system that she's in doesn't yeah. connect to Quest, yeah. even though I've requested so on and so forth. But your system, the Heads Up Health system, connects to Quest. And so I can bring my iPad along with me yeah. and show her, okay, I have a file attached here. Let's just see. We get a lot of users who are like, listen, I have all my health records in Heads exactly. Up Health. My, my doctor can't even see my health records. How do, how do I bring yeah. it in, show it to them? So. And Here's, Those stories make me happy. Here's some data. And, you know, I had some wonky mammograms there. They all kind of yeah. panned out. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's annoying to be at the doctor's office and then say, well, I had, you know, I had all these, all the, here I had my calcium score. And my doctor says, I can't see your calcium score. I go, well, it's right here. Let's look at it together. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that makes yeah. me so happy. We just it, bust out heads up and let me show you. Yeah, and then, and then she says, "Well, your TSH. I, I, I what was your TSH?" Uh, I said, "Well, I faxed it to you. I emailed it to you, and I uploaded it." And she goes, "I can't see it." So face I said, ball. "Well, let's hang on. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta take my hat off. I'm doing a face yeah. ball here. It's like <laughs> well, this is our medical system here, man. Come on. Let's uh, let me pop right." into the blueprint for wellness which is the, the my uh, uh, insurance discount client yeah, yeah. and we can pop that open yeah. and I'll, I'll just pop it open right here but yeah. then I can pop it open in, in color and I'll go past that part but yeah. uh, okay so my LDL and my total cholesterol are crap but uh, everything else is in the green doc mm -hmm. and then and then she can also dose me look at uh, that beautiful crp number yeah. yeah so i don't mind sharing that data but yeah. you can see up until i did started really hardcore fasting mm -hmm. you know i even just being a low carb or, or paleo the fasting has really helped mm -hmm. here uh, this is a little high because i think i indulged in some in some chocolate still, still a great number though yeah 90 on 90 on fasting yeah. glucose is pretty good yeah, and I, I have a little bit of a high CRP here. I, um, you know, since I had uh, Hashimoto's, I can occasionally get get flares occasionally. Yep. Uh, uh, so you know, I can I can see that my kidney health and my liver health are just fantastic. So if anyone is, is squawking on there, yeah, yeah. won't run that. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that looks so awesome, Karen. I just love yeah. the way that that you're an empowered patient that you have everything at your fingertips that you can walk into any doctor in the world, whether they know you or not and be like, here's Karen. What do you want to know? I mean, yeah, just, exactly. you know, you, so, you kind of made my day. Cause it's like, you know, I put like three years of blood, sweat and tears into building this and yeah, to see how you use it is awesome. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And the doctor was like, Hey, what's going on here? And I said, I'll tell you what's going on here. I donated a unit of blood mm -hmm. and I decided to take a vitamin with a little bit of iron in it. Cause I felt like I, I might've needed a whole, whole, and I said, that probably wasn't the greatest thing. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, but my ferritin is nice and normal. I don't know where my ferritin, my ferritin is off the charts. I just, a lot of guys just have elevated. Right. My, I'm, I'm in the 300s consistently. So I have to yeah. do like some uh, pretty regularly get a blood draw done. Uh, exactly. Or do like, uh, 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 what do they call it? It's um, voluntary. Oh. Where you go yes. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. that's a good thing to know. It's a really good thing to know what your levels are, and so you aren't. And I have one. I have one health concern that um, I'm just at risk for a certain disease, and mm -hmm. my hematopathologist. I, I get to consult for free all the time mm -hmm. in the hallways and the break rooms at work. So yeah. my hematopathologist corner said, corner corner them and be like, yeah, I got yeah. some questions for you. Yes, uh, he said, oh, why don't you just get a CBC uh, once every six months instead of once a year. So I told my doctor and she didn't want to order it. So what I did is I got a Keto Mojo. Mm -hmm. And so I can take a look at my H&H &H anytime I want to. Sweet. So, yeah. And so, well, uh, good news yeah. on that one, Karen. And in 90, 60 minutes, I'm doing an Instagram live with Dorian. And That's uh, we, great. we've got the Keto Mojo automatically feeding into Heads Up Health. So the hematocrit, the hemoglobin, the glucose numbers will start to show up automatically. Again, all we're trying to do is like remove friction from the process for people. Mm -hmm. So instead of you having to log in, punch in those numbers, it's just going to happen automatically. Actually, I need to get you on as a beta tester. So remind sure. me to um, send you the link to sign up for that. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah.
Sounds this good. is awesome, Karen. I have one question before we go, and, and you've had a long journey through your own health, struggling with, with obesity, morbid obesity, 40 years of being overweight, success, ups, downs, highs, lows. Now you're in a very, very stable place. You have access to this information to help guide you. But if you could take back and just you know, share one thing with anyone who, who is out there that, that's been most impactful for you, what, what, what type of uh, tidbit would you share as a, as a parting thought to say, this is just the one thing I would pass on to someone who's listening and they're morbidly obese, they haven't started down the path yet, they're, they're dealing with food addiction, whatever it is. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what, what are the, the biggest learning you could share with people? I would say loaded question. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's okay. I do get asked this a lot. I would say don't uh, keep your mind open as as you go to grab a tool, mm -hmm. uh, grab onto it, see what works for you, and keep only what works and let the let the rest go. Because like food addiction, I could abstain from certain foods, but I also had to move along to the next step maybe and get my deal with the high, higher glucose or high, higher A1C. So I can't just stay stuck in one area and you just have to add what works for you. And, and don't, when you go into something, take a look at it over two or three months. And if it's not working for you, don't stay stuck. Keep, keep reaching out for help and asking mm -hmm. questions because there are those of us out here. And I still have uh, longtime bloggers that come to my blog and leave suggestions. And I might not always like what they have to say, but mm -hmm. the person who kept leaving suggestions for me to stop eating nuts, they helped me break 30 years of migraines. And it was also a binge trigger. Even a, even a, a tiny amount of macadamia nuts, like an eighth of a serving. Wow. Uh, now, a lot of the nuts, people eat a lot of nuts in the low-carb world, but I know that... The, For you personally, again, that's, that's the N equals one. And, and that's why I, you really, ha I, I really have to also be careful of people who make sweeping generalizations. Do yes. this. Don't do that. It's well-intentioned, for sure. But a, a generalization around anything is just kind of um, a dangerous thing. So I, I completely agree with you on that. So you mentioned your blog, Karen. Uh -huh. Where can people yes. find that? You can find me at gardengirlkpblogspot.com. Cool. Uh, we'll, we'll share the link for people. And, and you're very active on social media. Yes. Because I'm short on time for blogging, it's better to catch me on – and my blog is non-commercial. It's just uh, What do you write about? I write about weight maintenance and a little bit on food addiction. I share a lot about a low-carb, low paleo, and uh, keto and fasting. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really just a tool out there. Uh, when I got into the weight maintenance space, because a lot of people are focused on uh, weight loss, but there are fewer weight maintainers out there. And when I came into the space, they, they, were, out there, they were out there, but not always using uh, the low-carb keto fasting tools. Mm -hmm. Now, thanks to a lot of different groups in the space, there, there'll be a lot of weight maintainers out there, hopefully. Uh, yeah. But, but I, think, I think that there's a lot of success. I am on Instagram as Karen's Paleo Life because I'll always have the paleo base because of the Hashimoto's. Yep. So I have a photography account for Southern California on gardengirl underscore KP. Uh, I also tweet at gardengirl KP. And I have a Facebook page too. So as I get very busy, you'll see me sharing a lot on my Facebook page about different meetings or different. Mm -hmm. I shared with the Carol, the Carol uh, podcast I just thought was fantastic because a lot yeah. of things she talked about I had, I had to adopt and I kind of live personally. So, so it's, uh, it helps me keep my mind engaged because uh, we, we will all spend, if you've been overweight, you'll, we'll spend a lot longer time in weight maintenance than we will in weight loss. And so I think everybody gets to that space and then all of a sudden all the attention goes away, all the compliments go away. And boy, if you gain eight or 10 pounds, you're going to get the elevator eyes and the side eye <laughs> from people. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of de devastating. It's like, uh, but although there's people who understand too, I mean, they, they know they're like, oh, wow, it's been a long time. You're keeping the weight off. I don't know anyone who's done that. Yeah. So hopefully as we get more data oriented, more algorithms, you know, AI will pick up and they'll be able, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I can tell from people's Instagram, if I could, I can tell from people's Instagram feeds as they transition from weight loss to weight maintenance, I could kind of predict, I could, I could probably predict with a, a good certainty anyway, not a hundred percent certainty, but very high certainty who, who's going to maintain and who's not going to just on, based on their social media posts. So 
it'll be interesting to see where the data aspect goes with it. Cool. And that's an area we'd love to expand in as well, which is you showed us how to go in and look for some correlations loosely by, by charting graphs. But if, if we can start finding, if machine learning can find that automatically and find Karen's n equals ones, that's, I think, where we're trying to get to strategically as a company. So yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for all of the work that you do sharing your story publicly, Karen, and for the work that you do creating content and being engaged on social media. Just, I think, you're, you're having a beautiful impact on a lot of people's lives. So I wanted to thank you for doing that. And obviously, thank you for joining the show here and being a Heads Up Health user. We love having you. And we'll plug you into the Keto Module Beta so we can some nerdy stuff to play with over the next couple of weeks. Okay, that sounds like a load of fun. Thank you so much for, our, yeah. for all that you're doing for healthcare and for bringing big companies together, big global companies where they're still not connected. So thank you for connecting us all together so we can take our data and get well. That's great. I appreciate that, Karen. I'll see you in San Diego in a few weeks. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. thanks. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Data Driven Health Radio. 